And then, and then we can jump into the Word tonight. If you guys have your Bibles, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 16, continuing uh, our short series through the middle part of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 16. You can leave it on that one. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 16. Father God, thank you so much again for a chance to gather with my brothers and sisters. I pray that you prepare our hearts beforehand to receive your word. Make our hearts good soil for what you want to teach us, God, what you want to implant in there and grow in there. Uh, Shape us and mold us to be the men and women of God that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you guys like roller coasters? Like roller coasters. Some of you guys say yes. Some of you guys say I'm fine on the flat ground. But some of you guys, some of you guys like roller coasters. Yeah. Like the like the thrill of going up and then and then coming down real fast, or maybe doing a loop to loop, or maybe doing I don't know what else they do. That's kind of it, up and down and loop to loop, um, and then variations on that. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a rush. Some of you guys like it. It's not for me. I want to be on the ground. I like to watch people going around roller coasters and then coming off all seasick. Um, I love it, man. I absolutely love it. I love it that my kids are starting to get to the age where they want to do that kind of stuff. Uh, I was able to, uh, I guess, year before last when we went to Disney World, Thomas was old enough to do Space Mountain, right? And so to see him get to enjoy that and the thrill of that. Space Mountain's a roller coaster and it's in the dark, right? So it's like extra exciting. Um, anyway, and, and so it's, it's fun for me for to, to, to do that, to see, see the kids enjoy that. I really enjoy it. Uh, I laugh hysterically on roller coasters. Everybody reacts differently. <laughs> some people are screamers. Some people cry. Some people like white knuckle grit their teeth uh, and I like kind of scream slash laugh hysterically I can't control it it's uncontrollable um, yeah we gotta do it we gotta do Calfa trip to like somewhere with a good yeah somewhere with a good good roller coaster but it's that, it's that going it's the up and the down it's the thrill of it um, it's exciting right when I was a kid I grew up um, in Hickory Hill near Crump Elementary right and, and on Crump there, there there's a hill that goes down real real steep like when I, when I was a kid it seemed like it went down real real steep don't, don't go check it out it may not be that intense now um, but as a kid, I would ride my bike around the block, right? We go to, when you get to this hill, man, it seemed like it was just straight down. And then the hill ends at a side street. So you've got to make a sharp right before you go out in the street. Um, and so I, I, would, I would, you know, ride my bike around the block, and I'd go down that hill, and I'd go super fast and then cut hard real right. Um, so I didn't go in the street and wipe out. Uh, and that was a thrill, right? I love the thrill of the ups and the downs. Uh, it's a lot of fun, right? What's not fun is the ups and downs when it's your life, right? The ups and downs of, of, of drama. Uh, man, we, we like the ups, right? We like the celebrations and the excitements and when everything's going good uh, and let's have a party and, oh, it's my birthday or it's an anniversary or they're celebrating me or everything's just going right. That part's good. The downs, though, those are the worst, right? Uh, and, and so the ups and downs, when life becomes a roller coaster, man, that's frustrating, that's depressing, that's exhausting, um, you know, when our, when our emotions are a roller coaster, man, that, that wears us out. That wears us out. That's what makes life tough, right? Uh, if life could just be steady, right? But it's not. It's up and down and up and down and up and down. It's like, man, I want to get off this thing. I'm ready for a break. Roller coasters at least end eventually. Um, but, but I want to get off this thing. And sometimes, sometimes being on man, social media can kind of amplify it, make it even worse. Because not only are you dealing with your own ups and downs, then you got to kind of take on everyone else's ups and downs, everyone else's celebrations and then, and then devastations. Uh, you're kind of absorbing that as well. Um, and it seems like, and, and the more you take that in, just, just 
It's just up and down, up and down. All, all the, the, so there's a new thing to be celebrating. There's a new thing to be excited about. And then the very next post, there's something to be depressed about, frustrated about, outraged about, right? Right? Um, maybe you guys' social media experience is wildly different than mine. Um, but, but that's my experience. I'm scrolling through something to be real excited about. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, like, like. Uh, very next post, something to be real sad and depressed about or angry about or outraged about. Up and down and up and down and up and down over and over and over again, right? And it's exhausting. Is it exhausting for anybody else? Man, it's exhausting. And eventually, you kind of get numb to it, right? Eventually, it doesn't, it doesn't affect you like it should. Um, eventually, we get exhausted, we get numb, and it makes it difficult for us to be moved by the things that should move us. It becomes difficult for us to be moved emotionally by the things that really should matter to us. And that's what we're talking about tonight. That's what we're looking about at tonight. Uh, the title of tonight's message is just Roller Coasters, right? Roller Coasters. Last week, we started a new series continuing our journey this year through uh, the book of Jeremiah. If you guys aren't familiar, Jeremiah was a prophet to the people of Judah. Uh, God called Jeremiah to, to speak to the people, to tell them to turn away from their sins turn away from their idolatry, turn back to the Lord, or else something terrible would happen to them. Uh, judgment, disaster would come. Turn away from your sins, turn back to God. Uh, and these uh, first few weeks of the semester, we're looking at some of the middle chapters of Jeremiah and talking about how, man, the same way God used Jeremiah prophetically to speak to his people, that God wants to use you prophetically. He wants you to reach your culture. Uh, wants you to influence the people, like we talked about last week, the people in your sphere of influence. Uh, wants you to speak to them. Wants you to influence them closer uh, to God. Wants you to influence them closer into a relationship with Jesus. If you missed last week's message or any of the other ones, they're all available online on the website, kylefamemphis.com, uh, or on the, the podcast, the SoundCloud as well. Um, you can go back and listen to that, but it's all good. You're not going to, you're going to be able to track with it. It's all good. Uh, and last week we did talk about Jeremiah. Um, I mean, comes to the Lord because he's being persecuted as God's prophet and he's struggling. Uh, and God encourages him uh, to speak good words and not worthless ones, right? God encourages him to make sure that he's influencing the people around him and not the other way around, right? That he's influencing the people around him uh, and not letting their, their ne- negativity and wickedness rub off on him and influence him. And we talked about being a person of influence, a person that's that thermostat, right? That changes the room when you walk into it, right? That changes the situation instead of just kind of blending into the culture and reflecting what's around you, being a person of influence. And tonight we're kind of continuing that idea uh, of, of, of what it is to be a person of influence. I mean, how, how to be uh, motivated and passionate about the things God is passionate about so we can influence and transform uh, in the situation we're in, the culture we're in, the people around us. When I came across tonight's passage, as I was studying Jeremiah, just in my own personal study uh, about a year ago, um, when I came across this passage, I'm going to be honest, man, in my initial reading of it, I did not understand it at all. Uh, And and you'll you'll see why in a minute. God gives Jeremiah a pretty strange command, like a really, really bizarre uh, command, and I had no idea what to make of it. And so it took some real study uh, to kind of understand it, to wrap my head around it. Um, but even though it, man, it's a strange command, it's bizarre, it's odd, uh, it's one that's going to be a powerful example for us if we can really understand it and wrap our head around it. Uh, it's going to be a powerful example uh, and teach us some principles that's going to help us to be that person of influence, be that world changer, uh, and be that person that can be steady and faithful after God. Um, so like I said, if you have had your Bibles, we're in uh, Jeremiah chapter 16. Um, 
Your neighbor may let you look at their Bible as well, and also the words are going to be up on the screen. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 16. And, and so just in Jeremiah chapter 15, like we read last week, uh, God has reaffirmed Jeremiah to be his spokesperson, saying he should influence the people around him and not let their sinful behaviors and attitudes influence him. Uh, God promises he's going to strengthen him and protect him. And then in chapter 16, uh, right after that, he gives him a series of commands that are quite strange, a series of instructions that are quite strange. He tells Jeremiah that he should not get married or have children and that he should no longer attend funerals or any celebrations of any kind. Just no. Just don't get married. Don't have kids. Don't go to any funerals. Don't go where people are mourning. And also don't go where people are happy and celebrating. Don't go to parties. Don't go to weddings. Just don't do it. Don't go to any of it. Um, Now let's be very, very clear. God gave this command specifically to Jeremiah, right? This does not apply to all believers. Last year we, we talked about how important it is when we're studying Scripture to study it in context, right? What does this Scripture mean uh, in the context of the book it's in, in the context of what did it mean to the original audience it was written to? Um, and not everything, we just kind of blanket apply to our own lives. This is a command for Jeremiah for a very specific reason. We're going to see what that reason is in a minute. Uh, this isn't something God's commanding us to do, right? He's not, he's not saying that you should not go to funerals or, or parties or get married or have children, right? Um, so the command is not for us, but we can still learn a powerful, powerful lesson from it. Uh, so let's take a look at it. Jeremiah chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 1. Jeremiah writes, The Lord gave me another message. He said, Do not get married or have children in this place. For this is what the Lord says about the children born here in this city and about their mothers and fathers. They will die from terrible diseases. No one will mourn for them or bury them. And they will lie scattered on the ground like manure. They'll die from war and famine. Their bodies will be food for the vultures and wild animals. God says there's terrible judgment coming, right? The people have been, been sinful. They've been in rebellion. Uh, and, and, and there's neighboring kingdoms that really hate them and would love to invade them and take all their stuff and all their people. Uh, and God, God's warning, Judy says, that, that's coming soon, right? Uh, he says, so this is not a great time to be getting married and having kids uh, because there's going to be a lot of death and destruction. There's going to be really hard times coming. Um, continuing in verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Do not go to funerals to mourn and show sympathy for these people. For I have removed my protection and peace from them. I've taken away my unfailing love and my mercy. Both the great and the lowly will die in this land. No one will bury them or mourn for them. Their friends will not cut themselves in sorrow or shave their heads in sadness. No one will offer a meal of comfort those who mourn for the dead. Not even at the death of a mother or a father. No one will send a cup of wine to console them. He says, man, it's going to be tough times, right? There's going to be people dying, but people are going to be so caught up uh, in all the death and destruction and the tragedy. uh, They're not going to be able to to, to mourn. They're not going to be able to console one another. Um, And then he switches gears in verse 8 and he says, And do not go to their feasts and their parties. Do not eat and drink with them at all. For this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. In your own lifetime, before your very eyes, I will put an end to the happy singing and laughter in this land. The joyful voices of the bridegrooms and the brides will no longer be heard. Verse 10. When you tell the people all these things, they will ask, 
Why has the Lord decreed such terrible things against us? What have we done to deserve such treatment? What is our sin against the Lord our God? Then you will give them the Lord's reply. It is because your ancestors were unfaithful to me. They worshipped other gods and served them. They abandoned me and did not obey my word. And you are even worse than your ancestors. You stubbornly follow your own evil desires and you refuse to listen to me. So I'll throw you out of this land and send you into a foreign land where you and your ancestors have never been. There you can worship idols day and night and I will grant you no favors. Ouch. Right? Um, and and that's, that's Jeremiah's message to give to the people. And we were saying, man, is there any wonder people did not like him? When he came around, they were not trying to hear his message because uh, it was harsh. Say, man, you've got to, you've got to turn from your sins. You, you people are so unfaithful. You're serving every kind of idol you can. You're getting involved in every kind of sin and wickedness you can. You're not faithful to God. Uh, even though he's warned you and warned you and warned you, this is going to bring destruction on your life. You still keep doing it. Um, and, and, and coming soon, Babylon's going to come and take you into captivity. He says it's going to be in your own lifetime. It's going to happen before your eyes. People are going to say, why is this happening? And like, they should know, right? Because prophets have been telling them for decades and, and centuries that they need to do this. Uh, but they're going to say, why is this happening to me, right? Well, but why me, God? Um, uh, and he said, man, tell him, tell him. It's because of your sin, because of your unfaithfulness, this is going to happen. Um, so so this, is, this has been Jeremiah's message, man. Through the whole book of Jeremiah, this is his message. Turn away from your sin uh, or else there's going to be judgment. Um, but, man, these, these specific instructions he gave him, man, why? They're kind of strange. Why? Why did, why did God ask Jeremiah not to get married, not to have kids? Why did God ask Jeremiah not to go to funerals, uh, not to go to parties? Um, why would God ask Jeremiah to do this? Being married is not a bad thing, right? It's not a bad thing. Um, <laughs> and then, and then some of y'all, some of y'all may God, God may have called you to be single and you are totally whole and complete as a single person. And, and, and in Christ, like your identity is not that you're lacking and say, I'll be complete when I have a wife or I'll be complete when I have a husband. No, you're a whole complete person um, in, 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 in Jesus, right? You don't, don't need somebody, but, and some of you guys will, will be single and happy forever. But for those of you that may someday have, uh, God brings a spouse into your life, a husband, a wife into your life, that spouse will be a great blessing to you, right? The writer of Proverbs says, a man who finds a wife has found a good thing, right? A good thing. Uh, and, and so your, your spouse someday is a, is a blessing from the Lord, right? A good thing uh, for you and for your life to bless you. Uh, the Bible definitely is not encouraging people not to get married, right? Uh, and, and in fact, men. God can use marriage and that marriage relationship to be, to be a light to the people around them, an illustration of, uh, of God's love, Christ's love for the church. Um, God uses the institution of marriage to shape and mold us, uh, make us more holy, make us more Christ-like, get selfishness and junk out of our lives as we're having to share life with another person, right? Um, and, 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 man, having, having a spouse, having a husband and wife can be a huge encouragement uh, that, that, that wants to love you and help you, help you through tough times. Um, again, having a spouse is not a bad thing. Um, being married is not a bad thing. Having children is not a bad thing, right? Children are a blessing. Throughout the Bible, man, we hear this again and again. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Children are a good thing. Maybe not every day they feel like a good thing, but they are a good thing, like, intrinsically. Does that make sense? They're intrinsically good. Uh, and, and, and the Bible talks about, man, the person, the person that has a lot of children, it's like having a full quiver. 
you know, they, 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 they're, they're going to be taken care of. And like, if you, so if you have like a lot of kids, the, odd, the more kids you have, the odds are one of them is going to be real successful and can take care of you when you're old, right? And, and so anyway, kids are a blessing. Man, if you're looking at scripture, kids are a blessing. Children are a blessing. A spouse is a blessing. Uh, so so why, why would God not want Jeremiah to enjoy that? Um, going to funerals and comforting people that mourn is not a bad thing. It's not. Uh, and, and in fact, as Christians, we should comfort people that mourn. People that are, that are, that are in sorrow, that are in struggling. Man, we should be that shoulder uh, that they can cry on. We should be that person that's encouraging them and building them up. Uh, Romans 12 instructs us. Romans 12, verse uh, 10. Love each other with genuine affection. Honor one another. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Right? When someone's mourning, as a, as a Christian man, we ought to come and mourn right along with them. Say, hey, well, we're here for you. We love you. Your, your problem uh, is not yours alone. I'm going to shoulder it with you. I'm going to carry it with you. I want to help you. I want to be there. I want to go through this situation with you. I want you to know that you don't go through it alone. Right? We mourn with one another. That's what believers do. Man, we see Jesus. We see Jesus when Lazarus dies. Right? He goes to Lazarus' tomb and he mourns with uh, Lazarus' sisters and the people that are gathered there uh, grieving over the loss of Lazarus. Uh, man, we see there, Jesus cries. Shortest verse in your Bible, Jesus cried. Jesus wept, yeah. Um, man, J- Jesus felt, felt sorrow, was moved. He mourned with people. Um, you know, so, so if Jesus is going to mourn with people, go to funerals, those kind of things, right? Um, man, we know, you know that, that's an important thing for us to do as well. We need to mourn with those who mourn. Uh, and it's good to go to funerals. Like I said, we talked about um, Christine's grandfather passed away yesterday and uh, be scheduling a funeral probably here in the next couple days. Um, and it's going to be good to go and, and, and mourn with the family, love and support that family, uh, honor the life of the person that, that's, uh, that, that's passed on. And th- those are good things. So why would God tell Jeremiah not to do this? Going to weddings and parties and celebrations is not a bad thing. Right? It's not. It's not a bad thing. It's good to celebrate. Right? It's, before it said mourn with those who mourn, um, uh, it says rejoice with those that rejoice, right? Uh, it's, it's not just being there when your friend's sad. It's like celebrating with your friend when stuff's going good. Like they had a really good day. They got the really good grade on the test. They got the promotion, the raise at work, or they're, maybe they're a waitress and someone dropped like a huge tip on their table. Uh, celebrate with them. Don't be jealous of them. Like, why didn't it happen to me though? And why didn't they come to my table? No, we need to celebrate with them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Because when they win, you win. Because we're one family, right? When your brother or sister in Christ wins, you win too. Because it's one family. Uh, so we need to rejoice with people. Um, we know Jesus went to parties, right? In fact, the Pharisees got on to him because of how many parties he was going to. Say, so, man, this guy, Jesus, he goes to parties all the time. He can't be a holy man. He can't be a good rabbi, a good teacher, because he's always partying. Um, now, we know Jesus, Jesus did not sin going to these parties. He didn't take part in wickedness at these parties, but he liked to be around people, right? He enjoyed people. Uh, he enjoyed loving on people, sharing life with people, celebrating with people. Jesus' very first miracle was at a wedding, right? Jesus was there at a wedding where they've been celebrating for a long time. Uh, and, and that's where he performed his first miracle. That's where he steps into uh, the, the public stage there. Jesus goes to parties. Jesus goes to weddings. Why, now why is Jeremiah forbidden to go to those things? Why would God ask Jeremiah to do this? And here's why. This is huge. It's so that his life could be a living illustration of a very important lesson. 
as you read the Old Testament, you'll see God do this several times with the prophets. Several times. Um, where not only is he giving them prophetic messages for the people, he's also giving them commands, often bizarre commands, so that their lives can be living illustrations of an important principle that he wants to teach his people. Um, Not only does he give them words to speak, their very lives, when they follow these strange instructions, become living parables, living examples, living illustrations of something God's wanting to get through to his people. Ezekiel. The prophet of Ezekiel, God commanded Ezekiel to lay on his side for over a year. Lay on his side for over a year uh, as a way to represent the long stretches of time where God's people were in sin. says, Ezekiel, uh, you know, I've got a word for you to speak to the people, but I've also got something for you to do. It's kind of strange. Lay on your side for like 390 days, right? And people are going to be like, Ezekiel, why are you doing that? And you can say... This is a, an illustration, right? This is my visual aid. <laughs> this is how you guys are really sinning, like for huge stretches of time. Um, my life is an illustration, right? Uh, he, has, he has his prophets to do some strange things. The strangest one, and the, the most out there one to me, um, is the prophet Hosea. If you guys are familiar with Hosea's story, uh, God told Hosea to marry a prostitute, to marry a woman that would be unfaithful to him. And not like redeem her and teach her to be good. No, she would continue to be unfaithful with him throughout their marriage. She would continue to go and find other lovers throughout their marriage. Why? Because he wanted Hosea's life to be a living illustration of Israel's unfaithfulness to God. In the same way that you're gonna, Hosea is going to take this wife, Gomer, and she's going to be unfaithful with him again and again and again. That's how Israel, that's how you are with me. You're unfaithful to me. You keep going and serving other gods. You keep going and serving idols again and again and again. We should be married. We should be one. We should be exclusive. But you keep going after other people. So, Jose, I want you to marry marry this unfaithful woman, and your life is going to be an illustration. That'd be a hard one, right? That'd be tough. Uh, but God does this to the prophets. He says, I'm going to give you a prophetic message, but also your life is going to be prophetic. It's going to be, it's going to be an example. There's going to be an illustration. There's going to be a principle to learn there. So God wanted Jeremiah's life to be a living illustration as well. And the illustration is this, that we shouldn't allow all the celebrations and tragedies of life to distract us or numb us from the most important need in the world, that the people around us are lost and far from God. That's what, that's, what, that's what God wanted to illustrate through Jeremiah's life. That life is a roller coaster of ups and downs and ups and downs. We shouldn't get all swept up in that so much that we get numb to or distracted from the most important thing. People around us are lost and far from God. Far from God. They desperately need God. It's good to comfort the hurting and mourn with those who mourn. But these days there's so much tragedy, so many occasions to mourn. So many things for us to get sad about. So many things for us to get enraged about. We've got to be on guard uh, that those things don't shift the focus away from the greater tragedy that there's people out there, man, still living in rebellion against God. There's people out there that are still far from God and someday they're going to face His judgment. And someday they're going to have to stand before Him uh, and if they're far from God, if, they're, if they don't know God, they're going to be separated from Him forever. Right, And we can't get so caught up in all the, the up and down uh, of what's going on in the world, what's going on in, in our friends' lives, and, and all those kind of things that, that, that we get numb to that need. Because that's the greatest tragedy, right? The greatest tragedy is you guys sit next to people every day in class uh, that are a million miles away from God. And if they were to die, man, they'd, they'd still be millions of miles away from God. Uh, there's people that desperately need Jesus. They need to hear the gospel. People that haven't heard the good news of the gospel. People that are going to be separated from God forever. Right? 
that's the big tragedy, right? But, but, but if, we're, if we're exhausted and numb from all these other tragedies, all these other occasions to be outraged and sad and, and, and mourn, that we're going to get numb to that. We're going to miss it. That's the living example that Jeremiah is called to be. His mourning for the fallen state of those around him, God said, should eclipse every other occasion to mourn or celebrate. He's, God said you should be so moved by the fallen state of the people around you that that's going to eclipse everything else. That's going to be so much bigger in your heart than every other occasion you might have to get outraged, to get sad, to celebrate. And not, uh, and not let the up and down roller coaster of life's celebrations and tragedies distract from the ultimate need uh, that our world needs repentance, our world needs redemption. The people around us need Jesus, they need God. Um, so, so going back and looking at, looking at the instructions that uh, God gave to Jeremiah. Why, why not get married? Why not have children? First of all, judgment was coming very soon, very soon for Judah. Uh, and, and like I said, man, it's, it's probably not a good time to start a family. Right? The Babylon's going to invade. Lots of people are going to die. There's going to be lots of destruction. Many of you are going to be taken into captivity uh, to, to, to serve in Babylon for decades. Not a great time to get married uh, and, and, and to start a family. And, and I don't want anything to distract you from the need uh, to call people to turn away from their sins and turn back to God. Right? He said, man, I want that to be, be preeminent. I want that to be the main focus. Um, he says, I don't want you to go to, to funerals, even though like, it's good to go to funerals. It's good to, to mourn with those who mourn. Um, as my living illustration, I want, I want people to know that, that the death of one person, even though it's tragic, uh, like, like what's much more tragic is, is the, the millions and millions that are still far away from God, that still don't know God, that when they die, uh, they're going to be separated from God forever. Um, and we go, when we go to someone's funeral uh, and, and we honor their life, uh, and it's good to do that. It's good to honor, remember them, uh, and, and to love and encourage, support those family members. But that person's life's over, right? Their decisions made, right? It's, it's the living, right? The living that still need to choose. Are they going to follow God? Are they going to reject God that, that our hearts should be burdened for, right? Um, looking at, looking at, at verse 5 there, um, this is the commentary from, from Matthew Henry. He says, now God bids him not lament the death of his friends as usual, for his sorrows for the destruction of his country in general must swallow up his sorrow for particular deaths. Right? That, it, that it's sad, man, if we, if we lose a friend, we lose a neighbor. Um, but our sorrow uh, over the lost state of our country in general man, should swallow up any other occasions to mourn. Does that make sense? And this, it's the same for, for, for that command not, not to go to parties. He says, man, I don't want you to go and celebrate and just get lulled in this false sense of security that everything's going to be okay. We talked about last week, that's what the other prophets were doing. They were going around saying, peace, peace, everything's going to be fine. He says, Jeremiah, I want you to be a living illustration that everything is not going to be fine. Right? If people persist in their sins, things are going to be very bad. Uh, so I don't want you to go to parties and celebrations uh, and act like everything's okay. Uh, but I want your life to be a living illustration that the most important thing to me is the lostness of my generation, the lostness of my people, that my people are far from God, uh, need to return to God, need repentance, need redemption. Jeremiah was called to be a living example that our mourning for the fallen state of those around us should eclipse every other occasion to mourn or celebrate. We cannot let the constant ups and downs of life distract us from the world's need of repentance and redemption. 
Uh, a few years ago, Tennessee Youth Ministries uh, had an initiative called the Human Right. A couple of you in this room may be familiar with that. If you're not, that's totally cool. Uh, but the concept of the human right, hope you know the human right? The concept of the human right uh, is that every single human being on the planet, right, the seven and a half billion humans, every single human has a right to hear the gospel, has a right to hear about Jesus and then choose whether to and, uh, accept or reject him, right? Every, every person should at least have the chance. Uh, and the, the whole idea is that, man, there's a lot of talk going around in our culture, right, about, about human rights and, and what each human being is entitled to, uh, what each human being deserves, what is our rights as human beings. You know, when they started the United States, uh, well, the fundamental rights, there were the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? So as a human being, man, what are some things that everyone should have a right to, no matter who they are, where they're from? Um, and the concept of the human right is, is just that, man, from the Christian's perspective, and we feel like every single person should be able to hear about Jesus. That's God's heart, right? And God's heart is that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. God wants every single person to have an opportunity to hear the gospel and respond to it. That's why Jesus said, I want you to go out into all the earth, right? Uh, not just Judea and Samaria, but to the ends of the earth. Uh, and go, go and proclaim my word. Teach other people to follow me. Make disciples. I want every single person, every nation, tribe, tongue, dialect, every people group to have a chance to hear the gospel, hear the good news about what God's done for them in Jesus so they can respond to that, right? And, and, and so and that, that, that need the people around us have to hear about Jesus, uh, that should be the biggest cause we, we champion. Does that make sense? There's a lot of good causes. Like, 80 zillion good causes you could get excited about. Um, So many good things to get involved with, so many great places to serve and to help. But as a believer, if we're going to have God's heart, the biggest thing we should champion is that every single person needs to hear the gospel. They've got a right to hear the gospel. Jesus died for them, right? Every single person you sit next to in class, right? Every single one of your neighbors, every single one of your coworkers is someone God loves and Jesus died for. And they, they have a right to hear the gospel, Right? That should be, man, the thing that burdens our heart more than anything else. That should be the cause that we rally behind and champion more than anything else uh, is that, man, our generation is lost and far from God. Uh, We need to bring them Jesus, right? We need to share Jesus with them. And whether they accept it or reject it is not up to us, right? That's up to the Holy Spirit and them working on their heart. Um, But, man, we need to do our part, right, to make sure that our neighbors uh, know about Jesus, to make sure our coworkers, our classmates, uh, man, have a chance to hear the gospel and respond to it. Amen? After Jeremiah is given these commands and the reasons for them, the Lord transitions to speak of a more hopeful future after Judah's judgment and captivity. And we're going to close with these couple verses. Jeremiah uh, 16, picking up in verse 14. But the time is coming, says the Lord, when people who are taking an oath will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives, who rescued the people of Israel from the land of Egypt. Instead, they will say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought his people of Israel back to their own land from the land of the north and all the countries to which he'd exiled them. For I will bring them back to this land that I gave their ancestors. He's saying, yes, destruction's going to come. Yes, you're going to be taken into captivity. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. But there will come a day when God will bring you back home and restore you, right? That, that, that right now, man, your, your ancestors, your grandparents, they, they call upon the Lord that once delivered the people out of Egypt. He says, there's going to come a day, you're going to call on the Lord and remember, this is the God uh, that, that brought us out of captivity, that brought us out of Babylon, brought us back into Israel, set us up again. He says, there's going to be that hopeful day, there's going to be that good day. Um, 
been given them a hope to hold on to, right? That those that are faithful to the Lord, serving the Lord, giving them a hope to hold on to. Uh, and then the last verse that we're going to look at uh, tonight there in verse 16, he says, but now I'm sending many fishermen uh, who will catch them. And he continues with that, that idea for a couple of verses. But I want to focus on that, uh, they're, they're fishermen. I'm sending out many fishermen to catch them. Because right now a lot of them are like, like fish. They're going every which way. They're not trying to serve the Lord. They're not trying to follow the Lord. They're lost. Um, so I'm going to send out some fishermen to catch them. Uh, to bring him back to me. Um, those guys that went to Salt, uh, Dan Morrison, in one of the morning sessions, he, he pulled this particular verse, talking about the fishermen, and he tied it to when Jesus in the Gospels is calling his disciples, right? And when he calls his disciples, what does he say to you? Hey, come, come and follow me, and I'm going to make you... Yeah, I'm going to make you fishers of men, right? God's calling fishermen to go after these lost people, right? And, and instead of fishing for... For fish, right? Fishing for people, right? For, for, for souls, for people, people around us that we can influence into a relationship with God, that we can lead closer to Jesus. We talked last week about, man, everyone we come in contact with, how great would it be if they left conversations with us knowing more about Jesus than when they went in, knowing more about the Bible than when they went in, feeling a little closer to God when they went in, right? Man, I want for every single one of you to have that opportunity to be able to lead a roommate to Christ, be able to lead a coworker to Christ, lead a classmate to Christ, help them to follow Jesus. Um, says, I'm sending out fishermen, right? Uh, and it wasn't just the disciples that Jesus said, I'm going to make fishers of men. It's all y'all too. Everyone that's a follower of Jesus, man, has, has, that, uh, has that exciting role to play in the kingdom, right? That we get to invite other people in. We get to welcome other people in. We get to share the testimony. We get to share the hope that we've found in Jesus. Say, hey, listen to what Jesus did for me. This is what my life was before, but man, look at what it is now. And it's all because of Jesus. Man, we get the opportunity to do that for people, share that with people. Um, So what does this look like for us, right? I said Jeremiah's command was not a blanket command for all believers, right? Some of you guys are like, good, because I like parties. Uh, I mean, funerals, I could, whatever. But like, uh, you know, I'd still like to want to be able to go and and, and comfort people that are mourning. And and I kind of look forward to maybe having kids someday and being married. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so, so, so that command is not for all believers. And in fact, that, that it's the opposite. That, that, man, as Christians, we should rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. But, and we can learn something from Jeremiah's living illustration here. Uh, and, and what does God want us to learn? What does God want the takeaway to be for you? Um, when we look at the roller coaster of our own lives, the ups and downs, ups and downs, where he's saying, don't get distracted by that. Don't get so numb from all those ups and downs. Don't get so distracted from all those ups and downs that you miss out on what really matters. The heartbeat of God is, is, is for your lost neighbors, that they would come to know Him. That none should perish, but all would come to repentance, right? That's the heartbeat of God. That none should perish, but all should come to repentance. All should come into a relationship with Him. I mean, so, so, so part of the takeaway for us uh, is just to do some self-evaluation this week and say, God, what are the things that I get so passionate about, whether the things I celebrate so much, get so excited about, or the things I get so outraged, frustrated, sad about, that my emotions are just spent. They're on empty. I've got nothing left to devote to the actual great tragedy of the world, that there's people far away from God that need them, right? And so God, help me to get realigned on the most important thing. Maybe I don't do like Jeremiah and, and give up all social interaction, right? Uh, but, but maybe I do need to, to, to figure out what, what I do need to cut out of my life to realign and focus, focus in on God more and His purposes and His heart uh, for this world, right? Um, I encourage you guys. I talked about, you know, life, our lives are, are up and down enough, right? Just going through regular everyday life is roller coaster enough. Life's got enough drama on its own. Um, what does the New Testament say? That, that, that today's got enough evils of its own. 
right? The, 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 just going through life has enough ups and downs. But, but I'm, I'll be honest, man, social media, I feel like, does, it does compound that. It does, that, does amplify that. It does make it worse. Because it's not only our problems and, and struggles and celebrations. It's also, man, all of our neighbors' problems and troubles and celebrations. And we just heap that on, right? Because on Facebook, we get on there and it's, it's, it's all of our friends and, and family and the people we went to middle school with problems and celebrations. And we're, we're celebrating right along with them. And then we're sad right along with them. And then we're outraged right along with them. And then Twitter, it's like you're, it's the whole world's problems and celebrations and outrages. And, man, you can't take on the whole world's problems. You can't. Only Jesus can do that, right? But, but, then it, but you constantly consume it post after post. A, th- a thing to be thrilled about. A thing to celebrate. A thing to be depressed about. Outraged about. Angry about. Um, and you get numb to it. You get numb to it. And then Instagram, I guess, you just celebrating kittens and, and puppies and, like, girls that are selling workout medicine or something. Uh, I don't use Instagram that much, so you, I don't know. But, but So my encouragement, though, like, if, if social media does amplify it, man, I encourage you, man, what would it look like to cut back? To cut back or even take a day or two and just fast social media, see the difference it'll make, right? I promise you, if you take a day or two off of all social media, you'll see a huge difference in your emotions and in your heart. Um, huge difference. You say, you, you'll not surely die, right? You can make it. Um, I, do, I, do a, I do a trip each year uh, with some guys from church where we go canoeing um, uh, down the stretch of river in Missouri. And there's no cell phone signal at all. So I just leave my cell phone on, on the bus. Uh, we get in the canoes. And then for like two days, I'm just, just out of the loop, right? And I just enjoy nature. And, and I absolutely love it. Uh, and what it does, just being, being cut off from all that, it's like you kind of realign a little bit. You can kind of focus on Jesus and the things that really matter a little bit. Uh, because, man, t- taking in all that information, taking in all the world's ups and downs, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And so maybe maybe God would have you this week uh, fast it for a day or two or longer. Just, just say, hey, I'm not going to do social media for a couple of days uh, so God can help realign my heart with the things that are on his heart, right? Um, so I want you to think about, man, what's the application for me? And God, God, what can I give up? What can I cut down on so I can be more focused on the things you're focused on? Uh, and God, would you use me? Would you use me to reach my generation? That, I, that I'd realize that the, the, the biggest need my generation has uh, is, is, not for, is not for better politicians or better this or that. The biggest need my generation has is for Jesus, right? The biggest need my neighbor has is for Jesus. Uh, and that would motivate me. Right to share the gospel with them, that would motivate me to love them, uh, to to share my life with them, uh, and motivate them into a, a closer relationship with God. Um, I want to pray over you guys. That God, would you use you guys prophetically in the lives of the people around you as influencers in the lives of people around you? Man, God may use your life as a living illustration to the people around you. They may look at your life and say, "Hey, why don't you do this sin, that sin, this sin over here that I do, and the culture does, and it's no big deal." And you can say, "Hey." I know it's a little strange, but here's why, right? And a chance for you to share about Jesus, right? Or why, like, our, our whole class is yelling at the teacher because of this, this unfair quiz, and, and you're sitting over here, and, and, and you still got peace, you still got joy. What's that about? Hey, man, let me tell you about the hope I found in Jesus and why, like, stuff like that doesn't shake me. Uh, your life can be a living illustration to the people around you as well. Um, let me pray for you guys. Um, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you'd help our heart, God, become in a line with your heart, Lord. That the things that matter to you would matter to us. And help us not to get so swept up in the roller coasters, the ups and downs of life, God, that we miss what, what really matters, God. We get numb uh, to what really matters. We get distracted from what really matters. God, have mercy on us. Forgive us uh, for being so caught up in all these other things 
Um, God, that we miss out on what you're doing in the world. God, we miss out on your purposes. Um, and, and, and just with every, every eye closed, everyone just kind of focusing on God. Uh, if there's anyone in here tonight that says, Matt, I'm one of those that's far away from God. Maybe I was close to God once before, but, but if I'm being honest, I've kind of gotten far away. Or maybe I've never had that relationship with God like you're talking about, but I know I need it. I know I need God to forgive my sins. I know I need Jesus. If that's you and you're here tonight, would you just raise your hand so I can pray with you? Say, Matt, would you pray with me? I'm far from God. Thank you. I see those hands. I see those hands. You can put them down. Thank you. Uh, for, for those three or four of you that raise your hands, just pray along with me in your heart. Say, Jesus, I realize my need for you. God, I'm far away from you, God. God, I've sinned against you, God. God, please forgive my sins and make me right with you. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. God, would you wash me and cleanse me and make me brand new. God, would you adopt me into the family of God. I'm putting my trust in Jesus and not my own ability to do right, God. I'm putting my trust in Jesus to save me and make me right with God and give me a home in heaven forever. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to the cross. Thank you for raising him from the dead. And thank you for the hope that I have in him. Pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you from this day forward, to walk closely to you, God. Your passions would be my passions. And my greatest desire would be to know you more. God, would you transform my life and help me to follow close after you in Jesus' name. And for all of us here tonight, God, would you help us, God? Would you help us, God, to, to, to have that burden that you have for the people around us, that passion that you have for the people around us? God, we know you want to use us to influence this culture, God. Uh, and I pray that it would come from a place where our heart is aligned with your heart, that our heart would be that the people around us wouldn't perish without knowing you, uh, but, but they'd all come into a relationship with you, that all at least have the opportunity to hear the gospel and respond for themselves to Jesus. God, use us strategically for your kingdom. Use us on this campus, God. Use us in the city. Use us for your glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen.